All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then Thrax is going to come down with her warhammer on your head. And now, Howler Pod. I know it may be impossible to believe now when everything is dark and broken, but you will survive this pain, little one. Pain is a memory. You will live and you will struggle and you will find joy. And you will remember your family from this breath to your dying days because love does not fade. Love is the stars and its light carries on long after death. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising. Every episode, we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Low Howlers. It's character study time. Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime? Or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie? Who are we studying today? Excuse me, Telemannus? The Telemannus fam. Hey, what's up, fam? This is a big Sunday <laughs> dinner. This is like, a large episode. You got to make five turkeys <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Well, let's uh, go ahead and load up the star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully we don't shit our suits, Ben. First, we've got Kavax, Kavax, Kavax. Oh, Telemannus. Daddy Telemannus. He's a gold. He's a peerless scarred. He's the former praetor of House Augustus and current advisor to the sovereign of the Solar Republic and the primus of House Telemannus. He's married to Niobe and is the father of Daxo, Thraxa, Xana, and Pax. They like their exes in this family. Yes. Kavax is a giant even among the golds with a neck so thick that he can't be strangled. That's convenient. And he regularly has to bend down in order to not hit ceilings. Unlike most golds, he has a shaved head and sports a forked red beard. He is slow to anger with a boisterous and mischievous personality, with a touch of madness that he uses to disguise his keen and clever intellect. He's also considerate and sympathetic towards lower colors, despite his powerful position in the society. Next up, Niobe, Mama Telemannus. She's a gold, described as serene woman with a bird's nest of untamable graying hair and skin the color of cherry wood. The tribal tattoos of her Pacific Islander ancestors cover her arms. All right, next up, Daxo. He's a gold, a peerless scarred, the son of Kavax and Niobe, and he's the heir to House Telemannus, or was. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is as tall as his younger brother, Pax, but thinner. He has a bald head with golden angels tattooed on the top and the sides. He has a stoic and calculated demeanor and an enormous, huge intellect. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say it like that? You creep. <laughs> He serves alongside his father during the Rising and retires from a life of combat once the Republic is formed in order to become one of ten gold senators. He is murdered by Lilith during the Day of Red Doves, trying to defend Mustang and save her from the angry Vox Populi mob. In his free time, he is known to enjoy space volleyball. Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you this was all Ben's fault. All the volleyball <laughs> hate. That's a lot, a lot of people that were big bad about that. 
I knew that's why I refused to post it like a long time ago. Came back around. All right. Thraxa, one of the kids. She's a big kid. She's a gold, a peerless guard, a howler, praetor of the free legions, and the daughter of Kavax and Naomi. Thraxa is in her mid-30s with wild gold hair garlanded with white feathers given to her by obsidian admirers and a freckled face. She cute. Uh, Well, she's like (laughs) very strong. (laughs) She is stoutly built with thighs thick as water drums. She has a metal prototype left arm made out of unpolished asteroid metal after losing her real one in battle with Atalantia Agrimis. Her left arm is covered in obsidian runes etched by Valdir after she saved his life during skirmishes at the Bay of Bengal. In battle, she wields a giant warhammer called the Wee Lass, and she was last seen jetting away from Mercury with Darrow aboard Cassius's ship, the Archimedes. Takes us to Pax. He's a gold and also the son of Kavax and Niobe. In the Institute, he was drafted to House Minerva along with his childhood best friend, Mustang. He is known for yelling out his name as a war cry during battle. Pax is around seven foot four inches tall and he's built like an obsidian. He is described as short haired with small eyes and has a chin like a heel with a dent in it. He's also partially of Pacific Islander descent from his mother, and he's a surprisingly energetic talker with a penchant for complimenting everything in his stories. He's also not alive anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We pointed out Dax owns. (laughs) Xana, the other daughter that we don't hear much about, She is a tall, plain-faced gold in her early 40s with dreamy, distant eyes. She doesn't want to let Lyria come with the Telemannus family, and that's about all we know about her. (laughs) She's like the Telemannus kind of bookkeeper, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, maybe she'll step up now that they're losing sons left and right. They do have one other unnamed daughter. Oh. And... I did... Really? Yeah. Wow. There's also Sophocles... He's Let's a fox and the pet of House Telemannus. He's been cloned 21 times. He's over 700 years old. I don't think that really counts as him being over 700 years old, though. Maybe his soul is. Okay, maybe. And he shares a very special relationship with our man, Kavax. Sophocles is a very affectionate and friendly creature to those he approves of, but vicious and wary of those he does not know and of Patrickville's. Because they're robots. <laughs> um, according to Pierce, Sophocles' favorite jelly bean flavor is watermelon. Which, like, no. <laughs> and if you feed him licorice flavor, he will poop in your room and hiss at you. Well, I would too. <laughs> I don't like watermelon either, though. You don't like watermelon? What's well, your favorite jelly bean flavor? I guess I don't know. My favorite would be, like, red. I'm just a big fan of Starburst jelly beans in general. I don't think I've had those. Oh, man. Those are good. I'm the type of person who will, like with Starburst, I'll eat the pink and reds out, and I won't eat the other ones, and I'll leave a bag half empty. Wow. That's insane. Because I'm a (laughs) super taster. The reds are the worst kind. What? And Why are we friends? Get out of my house. Pink, yellow, and orange are all really good. You like yellow? Yeah, I'll oh eat yeah. orange, but like I will not eat a yellow Starburst. Orange is my number one power ranking Starburst. Followed I feel by like pink. you're definitely a serial killer. <laughs> Thanks. Let's hear from Heather. <laughs> Let's get some historical connections here. Okay. Heather says, parsing the surname Telemannus illuminates certain characteristics present throughout the entire family. For instance, the prefix tele is ancient Greek for far off, while manus is Latin for hand. Maybe Pierce intended for this hybrid language-crossing name to allude to the Telemannus' ever-present willingness to provide a helping hand regardless of the distance or difficulty involved in supplying aid. Pax literally sacrificed his life to save Darrow when the jackal attempted to stab him. Cavix backed House Augustus and Golden Sun when it politically made more sense to side with Octavia. 
Daxo also sacrificed himself in a last-ditch attempt to stave off the mob for Mustang. These examples just serve to highlight the auxiliary role of all Telemannuses throughout the series. Kavax's name appears to be idiosyncratic, but his legacy and deeds parallel those of the Greek hero Telamon, a contemporary of Heracles. Telamon won glory alongside the demigod and later joined Jason and the Argonauts in their quest for the Golden Fleece. By the time the Trojan War rolled around, Telamon was thought too old to fight, much like Dark Age Kavax in relation to the Trojan War-like situation with the society on Mercury. Thus, Telamon's children engaged in battle on his behalf, as Kavax's kin have done for him. Thraxa, of course, has taken center stage in regards to these polemic struggles, her name comes from the Latin Thrax, originally derived from the ancient Greek Thrace, the verbal form of which is Thraso, meaning to trouble or stir. In classical antiquity, Thracian gladiators were associated with the strategy of inciting chaos so they could rapidly seize upon their opponent's confusion. Thraxa, therefore, is simply the feminized adjectival form of this belligerent, restless nature, making Thraxa autolemonis the personification of such. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> also, back to Kavaxes, there's a guy in Trojan War Times named Jason that just seems so, like, basic. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, yeah, it's like a mythological name, Jason. Here's Jason <laughs> from my mom's best friend's son. <laughs> okay, moving on to Pax. Heather says his name means peace in Latin. His external appearance shrouds internal tranquility that lends great solace to friends in need. Once Darrow and Mustang united forces in Red Rising, Pax continually uplifted both their spirits and their strength, creating peace throughout their followers with both. While an upper outlier in physical prowess, Pax never sought the cruel incitation of violence exhibited by characters such as Vixus and Antonia, striving only to honor his family name. Daxo similarly aspired to keep calm throughout his life, but unlike Pax, he approached dilemmas far more politically. He recognized that nuanced situations demanded nuanced solutions and often unsavory compromises. Interestingly, the name Daxo is Proto-Germanic for badger. (laughs) Sorry, that's funny. Does he have badgers tattooed on his head? Uh, Creatures that appear harmless, but in actuality are incredibly dangerous. Clearly, Daxo's stature was intimidating, but his mind was his real secret weapon. So, like the badgers from where he received his name, Daxo was frequently underestimated and misjudged. Finally, the ancient Greek drama surrounding Niobe is synonymous with tragedy. That doesn't make me feel good, Heather. Hey, now. (laughs) I mean, her kids are all dying. Is that enough? Daughter of King Tantalus. I remember him from a previous historical connection. Niobe held the class status necessary to marry well. She bore 14 children to Amphion, king of Thebes. Prior to industrialization and urbanization, having a great number of offspring was a huge economic advantage. And thus, Niobe took immense pride in her fecundity unfortunately she boasted that she was superior to leto mother of just two children artemis and apollo enraged by her hubris apollo shot niobe's seven sons damn artemis her seven daughters (laughs) thereby wiping out niobe's entire bloodline i do not (laughs) feel good for our our girl niobe telemannus at this point out of sheer anguish amphion committed suicide leaving Niobe to bear the weight of this divine massacre alone. To relieve her pain, Zeus gave Niobe a heart of stone by transforming her into a rock. (laughs) But even as an inanimate object, it is said that she continued to sob endless tears, hence making her a waterfall. The strange and devastating metamorphosis myth demonstrates the incredible depth of emotion encompassed in a mother's bond to her children. This ceaseless maternal love echoes throughout humanity and certainly presents itself in Niobe Atelmanis. In a wildly different context, Niobe has proved herself a strong, powerful woman. 
unwilling to crumple from pain inflicted by the enemy, but instead choosing to fight for justice and restitution. However, like the mythic Niobe, Niobe Aotelomanus has suffered the immeasurable loss of her only son's death that surely remain with her like specters every day. Damn, yeah, uh, Niobe not looking good. <laughs> I don't feel great about her prospects any longer. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> or the Thank entire, you, Heather. Or the entire Telemannus family. I'm worried now. But yes, thank you, Heather. That was great. Goodness. We we threw a whole family at you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Her and Miles had a lot of work to do this week. Yes. We appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much. All right. You want to talk legacy? Let's do it. All right. Let's 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 talk about the Telemannus legacy. So I feel like Heather started touching on it a little bit there. Yeah. Especially with Pax and Daxo mm-hmm. um, being and the, the silent kind protectors right yes this is our they're really like a big helping family they always just want to help they're always helping like they, think they'd about, be good friends to have well just think about how many times they're coming to the rescue like right Dexo's coming to the rescue pax saved darrow's life kavax coming to the rescue for lyria and iron gold and then for mustang at the end of dark age right and niobe coming to help make sure that lyria gets to uh, the Augustus compound. So it's just and like then Zana not <laughs> wanting Lyria <laughs> to be uh, in the household. You know, she plays a pivotal role. I think their entire role. Oh wait, Sophocles protecting us from the Paco Bells, trying right. to warn us. Yes, trying to warn us. They're always trying to help, and I feel like the kind of role of the entire Telemannus crew is to show the reader. That gold is capable of change. Gold is, you know, worth investing in. And the whole Telemontes family, they don't have much incentive to be reformers. They're set up in like a prime spot. Yeah. Uh, with House Augustus, who's the arch governor of Mars, and basically the Telemontes are like their number two. Well, yeah, they basically raised Mustang. Yes. Which is why she didn't turn out like Adrius. Right. They don't have a lot of incentive to be reformers. They aren't particularly cool with the idea of democracy. Like, Kavax and Daxo kind of shit on democracy a lot of the time. Especially, yeah, Daxo. Um, but despite this, they learn, they evolve with the times, they see people for their worth and judge them based on their actions instead of just, like, their color class. Right. Like, remember the conversation with Darrow and Kavax? Yeah, like when Kavax finds out Darrow's red, he's like, well, Mustang's cool with you, so. Yeah, we're cool. You're Like, we don't care. Right. And then he kind of talks about, like, their philosophy raising Mustang and, like, they see people for, like I said, for what they're worth instead of um, just straight up about their color. To me, it seems like this was always the destiny of this family to be this this helper family. Like if we remember originally, Pax was like not meant to die in the first book. He got killed by the the hat of death. Well, yeah, right? I thought you were gonna say Jack, and I was like, no, <laughs> Pierce killed him <laughs> because of his indecision. Right. So Pierce had ideas for Pax like moving forward. Um, and he's talked about that else, in like, interviews. Who else was in that? It was supposedly everyone in the room except for Darrow and Mustang's not there, right? Okay. So I think it was just Darrow. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It was sad. And so feels like this family was always meant to show the readers that, like, gold was capable of something different other than, like, being space racist. So, like, breaking down each character, Kvax... You know, he has, like, so much heart. He has so much love to share. It seems like he has, like, boundless love. I mean, he's definitely, like, the ultimate dad. He's obviously a better dad than Nero and, like, even a better dad than Fitchner. Because <laughs> as cool as Fitchner yeah. is, he's not a very good dad. <laughs> yes. Like, Kavix is the ultimate Red Rising daddy. Right, and that's uh, something I feel like is really interesting about the Talamanis family is like we actually get to see golds have this like familial love. Like is there right. are there very many other families, like gold families especially, where you have like this type of loving relationship between the family members? It doesn't really seem like <laughs> it. I don't know about Julia and Cassius, but well, it's like it Julia. Like yeah, it. like Cassius had it with his brother Julian only, but like not his mom, obviously, and then like 
it doesn't seem like he obviously didn't have that relationship with Carnus, and then he had a relationship with his dad, but it was more out of like I want my dad's like respect. Honorable, yeah, right. you don't really see like the familial like, love, right? Or like it's okay to fail, we'll still love you, right? Right, As, and especially like the closeness and intimacy of something like the Red family that we see with like Darrow, right? Um, so. It gives us a viewpoint of that within gold society, which I don't think is very common um, to have a family like this where there's just a lot of love being shared between family members. And it doesn't seem like, you know, everybody hates each other or is competing with each other for like father's approval or whatever. It's just right. They support. Just, they all have it's it. a supportive environment. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got Niobe and she's like this perfect mother, teacher, protector, like she embodies that motherly role completely. She's a mama bear. She's a big old mama bear. You're right. With gray hair. And then we have Daxo. He pretty much had every reason not to go along with the r rising. And and you kind of think, is he the traitor? Yeah, we had talked about that, right? Like because he's got ulterior motives. Then we argued about whether or not he was in love with Mustang. Yep. Which I still don't agree with you on. Fair. Because it's more like a familial love. Because <laughs> Mustang's one of the sisters. I definitely think he's fully in love with her. But and uh, um, but you're right. He didn't have a reason to go along with it, except for the fact that his family was with Mustang. For his loyalty to his family and to Mustang, right. yeah. And like even the society saw that in Daxo, um, that calculated aspect of him. And multiple times we hear mentioned that we want that. Like Octavia wants him spared. If they catch the Telemachus crew or clan or whatever, like save Daxo because she feels like he can become an ally and get that family in line. Yeah. Uh, and become someone who's on the society's side. But it's his loyalty to his family and to Mustang ultimately that pulls him along and why he joins the Rising. He gave all of that up to create a republic, become a senator. And and die for it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, he died saving. Well, trying to save Mustang. Trying to save Mustang's life. Thrax is in a similar way. She's kind of like a shadow of Darrow at this point. Like she saves him. That's another person. That's another time she we didn't. She busts through walls. We didn't mention that either. Like she is the one who saves Darrow from the Fear Knight. Uh huh. Uh, and at the exact right time. You know? yeah. Well, <laughs> in Red Rising books. It's always at the right time, or it doesn't happen. And then we get to Pax, and he is like he was the original sacrifice. He saw something in Darrow that was worth following to him and worth sacrificing himself for. He's like this extremely beautiful soul, um, and he has this heart of gold, and he probably deserves you know something way better than getting stabbed eight thousand times by the jackal. But probably, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Daryl, maybe don't give your enemy a weapon. Right. When you guys don't have a weapon. But that's kind of the I don't think that's what happened though. Yeah, he gives him the the pulse whatever the knife. Oh, that's right. Knife yeah. to finish his hand off so it cauterizes. Yeah, you're it's right. It's Darrow's fault that yeah. all these fucking telemonuses keep <laughs> dying. Well, but I also guess they had like a proctor help him in that situation because they like threw like a flashbang into the room right yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah. it's always darrow's fault <laughs> but pax is kind of that original sacrifice and it's kind of like the baptism of this family at this point where they're baptism like baptism and blood you know he sets up the entire telemonis crew to become this helping family throughout the entire uh, book series and so i think that's ultimately always going to be their legacy like as this like Heather said, like an auxiliary role, but they're always sacrificing themselves, always willing to help, always willing to put their friends and their family in front of themselves uh, because they know what's right. They show you that gold is capable of so much more than just Space domination. Racism. Yeah. Also, they show extreme depth in that, you know, Pax died because of Darrow and for Darrow and they still forgive him and, and help him out. Even yeah, though, they like you revere Darrow because of that. And then, um, you know, obviously they don't blame Mustang for 
Daxo's death. You know, like they're they just they can see what's going on. They're realistic. They're like, obviously, Mustang didn't want Daxo to die. Obviously, Darrow didn't want original Pax to die. So you could see a lot of gold families holding that against Darrow. Well, yeah. yeah. Now all of a sudden you have a blood feud. Right. Like in most you families. You got my son killed, that type right. of situation. You know, the Telemonises are also like grandparents to Pax. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're training, they're part of the family. Like they're training right. Pax and Electra. They're all integrated with each other at Celine Manor. So mm-hmm. they're just one big happy family. All of our favorites. Truly. All right. That feels like enough legacy talk. Wait, what's the legacy? Their, their legacy is as like the ultimate helper. I feel like they're like they're number one fam. They're like this constant source of support and bailing <laughs> our favorite characters out of the worst situations we need them, for <laughs> sure <laughs> like, uh yeah i don't think the rising really happens without i feel like they've done enough maybe they should just go they've all they've like arguably sacrificed more than anybody right at least as much yeah i mean definitely more as children. much yeah okay let's move on to predictions and fan casting okay so Kavix obviously is slowing down, but he's a fighter. So I think he'll stick around and be, you know, continue to be Mustang support. Um, and he's not going to die. Based on what Heather said, I don't <laughs> think Niobe's going to make it. Well, I think Niobe's going to make it, but it feels like all of her children are going to die. I could see Thraxa dying because she's just like in the middle of all the shit. She's like trying to die. She's still with Darrow. (laughs) So like if you're with Darrow, you're probably going to die. Maybe she'll die like saving Cassius or something. (laughs) Sophocles, who knows? He'll probably get cloned again. (laughs) So like who cares? (laughs) Um, I do hope Kavax and Sophocles get to like enjoy a nice, you know, cup of coffee and some jelly beans together at the end of the book. Like that's the end. Everyone else is dead. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. That that'd be the only acceptable ending if everyone died. Um, I'm hoping Xana like comes out of the woodwork and just like surprises us. Right. She seems kind of boring. Well, she could be fun. She's strong, right? They're all strong. Oh yes, she's yeah, she's like a tel- gi- giant telemana. <laughs> Should work. Back to Thraxa, though. I hope she jumps through more buildings because it just gives me a big Kool-Aid man (laughs) image. Oh, yeah. It definitely seems like most of their children are going to (laughs) die. So I don't feel good about Thraxa now at all. um, I don't know. I think hopefully if anyone makes it, it's Thraxa and Kavix. And then Xana can fuck off and die. (laughs) And she can be like the next Telemannus sacrifice. Maybe she's great. Maybe she's got a great personality and we just don't know yet. Well, she doesn't have a wee lass warhammer <laughs> and she true. doesn't jump through walls. <laughs> so true. which sister's better? <laughs> That's a good point. All right. Who are we fan casting? Okay. So for Thraxa, who we're talking about, um, I was singing a couple ladies that are strong ladies. Mm-hmm. So... You know, the Mandalorian lady, Gina Carano? Yeah. Even though she wasn't, like, my favorite actress, yeah, she seemed kind of... She's better in the movie Haywire, if you've ever seen Oh, that. I haven't. Okay. Yeah. I, and that could have just been, like, the Mandalorian's pacing. You know how I feel about that. But <laughs> 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 but she, like, looks the part. Like, yes. she's ripped. She and, could you know. wield a war She's hammer. also um, a martial artist... Like she actually can fight. Yeah, she's an like MMA she's not fighter. just right. pretending. Yeah. And then my second um, idea was this actress named Brooke Entz, and she's fucking ripped. And like, yeah, Aaron showed me a picture of her, and she's jacked. And I think she is hot as fuck. Like <laughs> that's my kind of lady. And she's um, in the what's it called. Wonder Woman, she's like one of the Amazon background mm-hmm. actresses, but she's that known to be a fitness model mostly and, and an actress. And she's fucking hot, and uh, I think she could probably bust through a wall. <laughs> I think if Gina Carano and Brooke Entz fought, I would get turned on. Also, <laughs> I kind of feel like Gina might win, so maybe she should be Thrax. Okay. 
that is my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cast Kavax here. Okay. And I'm going to... We all know that Niobe is Pacific Islander descent. With tattoos. So I'm going to switch that around here. And I'm going to make Kavax Pacific Islander descent. And cast The Rock. <laughs> of course you are. Ben and I both have like the biggest obsession with The Rock. I feel like he could capture the Kavax personality perfectly. I think of him as, um, who is he, a Moana? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the guy's name. Make way, make way. Moana, it's time for you. Maui. He's Maui. The demigod. But he's kind of like crazy, like Kavax. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I need that type of energy in my Kavax role, and I feel like... Uh, like he brings it. The Rock would definitely bring it. Okay. Um, magic. You know that type magic. of stuff. Magic. I was kind of thinking more along the line. I love The Rock. You know I love The Rock. I really do. But I was thinking more of Tormund from Game of Thrones. Yeah, you're thinking along red li- red beard lines. The red beard lines. So <laughs> his name's Christopher Heview. He's the Norwegian actor. Great red beard. He's also in those commercials. I forgot what for what. I actually almost like that more than The Rock, honestly. I just I feel like he has the like craziness that you need. Yeah. In my opinion. In the eyes, you know, like Yeah. And yeah. like he he looks like he's he's <laughs> yeah. like definitely got a joke going on. <laughs> yeah. Um so I couldn't think of any for packs. So I Googled hot young actors (laughs) and then I felt super creepy because they're all like really young. (laughs) But I felt this one guy stood out to me. He's in Teen Wolf, apparently, which I've never seen, but he's a twin. His name's Charlie Carver. And then his twin is Max Carver. So really either of them would work (laughs) because they're identical. But um, they I don't know that their faces kind of remind me of like what I think Pax looks like. Mm. Which mm-hmm. uh, they kind of look like Taylor Lautner from mm. Twilight, the yeah. werewolf. Like they have that like wolfy look, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> so that's who I picture in my head as being Pax, like when I'm reading it. Um, obviously, he needs to be young. And then for Daxo, I was thinking of Wes Catham, who's super cute and he's like, he's like thick, you know, he's like beefy. Um, mm. but he's in the expanse is what I know him from. He's also, I guess in hunger games. I don't remember him from that though, hmm. but he hopefully looks good with a shaved head. Cause he looks good without one. <laughs> 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 Who are we casting as Sophocles? Okay. So this is also what I'm into this week. Spoiler alert, but Finnegan, the Fox from Save a Fox Rescue, which I will talk about further later. Nice. But he's a red fox, and if you don't know what noise foxes make, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I make Ben listen to it sometimes. <laughs> they basically scream and laugh like hyenas. I have, yeah, it's pretty yeah. entertaining. And you're like, really? This is what a fox sounds they like? They just seem so, like, mischievous. Oh, they are. Yeah. That's why it's sly like a fox. That's true. Or swipe or no swiping. He's a fucking fox for a reason. <laughs> All right, Finnegan the Fox. Perfect. We've cast the entire Telemontis crew at this point now. Well, not really. I guess not Xana. Xana, Niobe. I didn't know for Niobe. Yeah. Some strong older lady. (laughs) Just older because they said she had gray hair. Right. All right, let's move on to the prime five. Okay. Our top five best character moments for... All right, I'll start with number five. Our number five moment is, well, we've kind of split this up into all five family members. (laughs) (laughs) So So top five for (laughs) each family member. So we're going to talk about a couple moments. Our first moment is from Pax. Okay. First, can we talk about how we tackled a fucking horse? Oh, (laughs) That's impressive. And I'm pretty sure these horses are like bigger than the horses we know. I think these are regular horses. In the valley? Yeah. These aren't the big ones? Well, obviously they're not sunbloods. 
right. but they're still like bigger. Probably to like be carrying around like seven foot human beings. Right. Yeah. Like my horse is a beefy one and I'm I think he struggles to carry anyway, me. He fucking tackles a horse, which is you know, that should be physically impossible. Not uh, for Telemannus. <laughs> and then he gets and then as part of that, Daryl was actually on that horse. And then they fight. And that's when he grabs Daryl and gives him the big bear hug and he's like yelling packs out Telemannus and, and, s- and squeezing him. And squeezing him to death. And then Daryl knees him in the nuts until they both pass out. <laughs> 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 That's probably like the best <laughs> Telemannus moment. Fantastic. I was that should be it. number one. I was reading it back and he's like screaming, Paxa, Telemannus. And Daryl's like, why does he keep yelling? <laughs> <laughs> and Daryl's like, and then Daryl slips in at one point and he's like, is a prick licker or something like that. <laughs> like very schoolyard type stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is it dick? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I miss Pax. But our actual like prime moment is when he saves Daryl's life. That is the most prime. Right. Sacrificing yourself to save the protagonist <laughs> is number one in any book. Right. I mean, that's going to keep our story going. So we're, of course, thankful for that. Thank you, Pax. But just I read this back the other night as well, and it's just freaking emotional. Like I know. Tough. And you know it's coming. It's one of those things where it's like, I guess I have to keep <laughs> reading. Like the jackal like jumps at Darrow and Pax just flies right. In f- he like pushes him down and like is on top of him and like literally so right if barricading if him from getting stabbed. If someone else came out of that hat for Pierce, like I wonder how they would have died because obviously Pax is so big he can cover. Darrow from getting stabbed. And the worst part is like the jackal's trying to still stab through Darrow. Stab through, through packs. packs. Yeah. Ugh. Tough. Very tough. Damn. Poor guy. Would you tackle me to save my life from being stabbed? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> ben, use your big body to protect me. <laughs> Let's go on to our number four moment. Okay, um, let's talk Thraxa. Obviously, Thraxa also saved Darrow, so <laughs> all of our moments are she does. saving Darrow. She doesn't have to sacrifice herself. No, though. no. Um, she does at one point lose an arm True. in the in the fighting, but we don't um, lose her. So rescuing Darrow from Atlas... This was a scary moment, and it's like extremely triumphant when Thraxa shows up. So to remind everyone, this is pre-Darrow getting uh, raped, possibly. Yes, almost, yeah. From Atlas and his goons. Gorgons. Atlas and the butt stuff, man. <laughs> like, stop it, dude. Uh, and she comes in uh, in the shadow of the Morning Star. This is in the Ladon. And brings the army and saves Darrow. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, because yes. he, like, come on, Darrow, stop almost dying and this making your friend save you. Yeah, we were about to lose everything at this point. Yeah. And also, a note to Atlas, and I've said this before on the podcast, you have your enemy, kill him. Like, yep. don't rape him, kill him. Like, what do you think's going to happen? Yeah, he was trying to do all kinds of, like, send a message type stuff. Yeah. It's like, dude. It's, su- it's such a bad guy thing to do, yeah. like, giving the long speech. When you have the open dunk, just take it. Just cut his head off. Yeah. And I'm not saying I want Darrow's <laughs> head to be removed, but, like. This one's on you, man. Like, don't be a, a dumb bad guy. Like, you had the opening. Okay, so that was one for Thraxa. And then another one, of course, is Thraxa in the end battle of Dark Age where there are sunbloods running around. She's busting through walls like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> she's got wee lass, and she's chasing Lysander <laughs> with her, her warhammer going up these stairs. So good. Like, almost gets him. <laughs> if he wasn't so snaky and slippery, she would fucking hit him with that warhammer. She takes so much damage... And she's just flying through walls, I mean, to get to him. She gets, like, shot multiple times. She's, like, gets ran over by a horse or something. It's, like, all kinds of... Razor sticking out of her. Yeah. Yeah, she gets stabbed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Just (laughs) quite a performance from Thrax. I I bet Lysander (laughs) was shitting in his pulse armor. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's why he's just running. He's, like, he's absolutely scrambling from her. 
Wouldn't like, you? Yes, of course. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please don't squish me. Yeah, that's a great moment. Okay, number three moment is just one of the coolest lines in all of Iron Gold, I think. So just to give you some context around this line, this is when Holiday has located Lyria after she escaped from uh, the Duke of Hands and Ephraim um, after the children have been kidnapped. Okay. And they're taking her back to the uh, Citadel and Victra is trying to like take down Holiday's ship or whatever. So like all the Augustus forces are like rising out of the Citadel to stop Victra from trying to take down Holiday. And uh, there's this, we get this great line where we see Niobe in her pulse armor. She's got like light blue pulse armor with a fox head on it. And it says, Niobe Atelamanus has come to war. Yeah, and bitch. Like, oh, shit. And this is the lady fight we all <laughs> didn't ask for, but keep getting. <laughs> Just kidding. This was a good one. We didn't get a pregnant Victra fighting Niobe, which it'd be cool as long right. as they didn't hurt each other. Right. Yeah, it's more about kind of what's implied with this and then like the imagery of like Niobe wearing her pulse armor and just that great, because it's the last line of the chapter. We get that last line. It says, Niobe, ah, Telemans has come to war. Yeah, and she has. Like, oh, shit. I love it. Beachy Dubs, I was definitely watching something the other day that had like total girl fight. I think it was the boys. And there was like, uh, they were doing a movie. Yeah, in yeah. And the boys and they had like... <laughs> It was the girls fighting, and they were doing the girl power thing, and I was thinking of you. Yeah, <laughs> well, but the boys does a really good job of making fun yeah, of it, making fun of it, yeah. which is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> and they're like, "Girls, get it done." <laughs> so great. Also, if you haven't watched the boys yet, then you're missing out. Okay, moving on to wait, we forgot Zana. <laughs> <laughs> And Sophocles. We need a best Sophocles moment. What's your best Sophocles moment? We can stick it in there right now. Well, probably anything with jelly beans. When he takes the jelly bean out of Lyria's pocket? Um, Probably the fact that he's the only one who knew the Paco Bells were spying on them. I mean, really. Right. He just seems smart. If only he could speak English. That's true. He could tell us what was up. He's like, these Paco Bells... Hey. Hey, guys, look, Bullshit. like I've been trying to tell you through body language. You think after like 700 years, you'd be able to uh, speak a little bit. You I know? know. Or like write. <laughs> him and tongueless. Get him a pen. Just come on. <laughs> they need a pen. Or shouldn't we have like mind reading technology by now? <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Daxo. I'd say his top moment was shirtless fighting with the scepter. Oh, I thought you were going to say when he was describing his ball sack layer. No. <laughs> That's a boys club thing. No, him shirtless, ripped off his toga with the scepter, bloodied and just crushing red skulls, fighting off the mob. Yeah. Pretty badass. Or him like holding the door of the like big, I think of it as a, like a stone garage door. <laughs> yeah. The stone garage door. Holding, holding it up, yeah. you know, not letting it close. And then he looks back and Mustang's like, fucking go, leave us. And then he, he drops Chooses it. Chooses not to, yeah. That moment where they like look at each other and realize that they're totally fucked, fucked yep. is heartbreaking. If only. And then like Mustang realizes why he stayed, you know, it's just like out of love for her, whether it's familial love or romantic love. Whether <laughs> either one, but that's the top uh, Daxo moment, I'd say. Also, Heartbreaking. he has great um, lines here and there. He's mm. obviously very smart and can hang with the best of them. That was one of the things that was so tough about the day of Red Does is we got like three chapters prior to that and we got a lot of development out of Daxo. Or we Which learned is a lot always about a warning sign. <laughs> exactly. And we didn't see it coming at the time. Now we, we now we know better. Yeah, that, that's definitely one where I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, everyone else died, so I guess this makes sense. 
Yeah, like the chapter before that where like Daxo's gonna be a dad. Well, that's <laughs> obviously not a good sign. You never wanna see some nice like can't wait till I'm a grandfather. Right. Okay. And our number one moment. I think this one's obvious. It is Kavax and Lyria together for like the first time or whatever. She obviously saves his life originally, but like when she asked to come on the Telemana ship back to Luna, but I love the part where he's comforting her for her loss of her family. And he just has that profound quote that we read at the beginning of the episode. We'll read it again here because um, it's such a good thing just to keep this in your mind. It applies to a lot of situations. He says, I know it may be impossible to believe now when everything is dark and broken, but you will survive this pain, little one. Pain is a memory. You will live and you will struggle and you will find joy and you will remember your family from this breath to your dying days because love does not fade. Love is the stars and its light carries on long after death. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> He just has some of the best quotes, best lines, I feel like. Also, like, thinking of him speaking with Mustang. He's always, like, acting crazy, but he then, like, drops these little sweet nuggets of, like, support or wisdom. And you're like, oh, he's not crazy. And then he, like, turns around and he's like, I'm crazy. Just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) He does that for Virginia, especially. like Yeah. And he's basically, like, her father or crazy uncle really definitely a father figure for her Uh, at the end of dark age he's telling her you know he's trying to make her feel better and says there is an evil in us as there is good but we do not regret our good as we do our evil so we know what we are my daughter we know what we are we know what we are she he does the same thing like right before the day of red doves he has a great quote to her about how she deserves this day makes you feel really good <laughs> right, right before that terrible he, he moment. Talks, he's like, oh, <laughs> after this, we'll go have dinner to honor my son. He's like, Daxo, you need to have children so I can be a grandfather or something. And you're like, what? Right. And then um, also we have to point out, Kavix is the one who sent Cassius to save Darrow. True. That's so, it's huge. I mean, yeah. without Kavix. Daryl would have died up there. He's got a man. I've got a guy. He's got a guy on the inside. Yeah. I think it's just, I think the reason this is our number one moment is because I feel like his instinct is to comfort and to help and to support. Like, what gold would go up to a red and um, sympathize? Even care with, yeah, that her family was dead. Right. Sympathize with them about their family dying, much less deliver such a great piece of advice. I'm definitely keeping those first couple lines in mind when I'm thinking about quarantine right now. (laughs) 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 And um, it's also tough to see this gentle giant kind of be broken down by the end of Dark Age after, you know, he's been shot. His body's, like, failing him. He's not the warmonger he used to be physically. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he's lost his sons now. Like, he has no more sons left. Right. So, he's just, like, completely broken down. He's with Virginia, you know, flying the loop of the rim. And he's, like, op- he's like crying in front of her. And she's, like, oh, shit. Like, he's totally beaten down by the loss and by the war. Right. But his instinct is still to try and comfort her in that scenario, you right. know, right. as best he can. So, that's why we love our Telemannus. Kavix is the number one. Red Rising Daddy. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Prime or Pixie. Did the Telemannus family survive the Hallerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Let's find out. Let's hear from some Howlers. We got some emails here. First up from Stephanie. Stephanie says that I can't see how anyone will say that the Telemannus family are pixies. Besides being badass fighters who shout their name in battle, they are a loyal family. Although they questioned Darrow in the beginning of the Civil War, they have remained by his and Mustang's side. They stayed with the Rising and with the Republic. 
Poor Daxo died trying to save Mustang. That scene still hurts to think about. Yes, it does. Stephanie says, Mustang became the good woman she is because of their upbringing. Without their influence, she would most likely be a tyrant like her father and brother. Something else that occurred to me is that they did not reject baby packs. If any other gold family knew about a half gold, half red child, they would have seen that child as an abomination and turned in the baby and its mother to the board of quality control. But the Telemannus family is loyal to Mustang, not to the society, and kept baby packs hidden all through Morningstar. They are prime indeed. Omnisphere lupus, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. I agree with the sentiment. They are prime. Good call, Stephanie. All right, our next email is from Daniel. Thanks for writing in, Daniel. He starts with the Telemannus clan. Loud fuckers. Big fuckers. Probably the best side characters in the series. He said Thraxa is a G for sure. My apex predator is horny for battle. Is one of the funny was one of the first few lines in the prologue that let me know that Brown was stepping up his writing for his newest book. Honestly, the whole prologue is one of the best chapters just because of Thraxa. When she is shot through the ship that has Orion, she has a shard of metal sticking through her gut towards the side. She looks at it and just shrugged it off by bending both ends. She's prime all day, air day. Yes, she is. And then he says, Daxo, what a convoluted character. If it weren't for his quiet yet steadfast loyalty, I could see him being a worrisome antagonist for Darrow. I agree. In In a way, I wish he had been. But dude was good as gold. He's very much like an anaconda, thoughtful, patient, and deadly. He helped daddy board and kill Tiberius Abalona and who knows how many other peerless during the lion's reign. He stuck with Mustang during Darrow's uh, light vacation in the box and slaughtered an assassin while being a powerhouse in the Senate. Rest in peace, Prime. Prime! He's going to miss his dark and witty personality. Kavix. Says God, I love him more with each book. A beast of a man, but with the heart of a saint. His scene with Mustang right before the day of Red Doves just melts me. Good fucking guy, Kavax. His loyalty to those he loves is something we should all aspire to. Hate to see him hurting with the loss of both of his sons. I'm hoping our favorite Titan Lord has one last ride in him. This next book, I really don't want him to die, but if he has to go, then let it be with ten other peerless. Don't let him go out with a gunshot. He's prime. Duh. Okay, thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Prime, prime, prime. Let's move on to Nick, our Cassius voice <laughs> in the United the voice Kingdom. voice of Cassius. He's back. He's back. Cassius is back. <laughs> he lives. <laughs> um, uh, Nick says, put simply, House Telemannus is freaking prime for several reasons. He says, I hope I'm not treading on Heather's toes, but I found it interesting to read that Telemannus arguably translates as over a great distance and hand or sword. That's what Heather said. (laughs) I guess she's right. (laughs) This seems to link to the family's values, not just their martial strength, but also their sense of loyalty. They've made a commitment to a person or cause. The family will honor their commitments, irrespective of the distance and even at the cost of their own sense of morality. Indeed, in Dark Age, Kavix even states that he doubts the virtue of this his violence under Nero's orders, but did it anyway. While you could argue that this merely devolves responsibility to those issuing the orders, I think that Kavix, and by extension his house's recognition of their own shortcomings, shows incredible loyalty, especially when they really try to make recompense through the loyalty and kindness that they show the lo- lower colors operating within their house. In a world of duplicity, especially amongst golds, this loyalty is rare and a clear example of being prime. Interestingly, though, Manus links to handwriting. I thought this was interesting as it also shows the family's predilection for the pen. Clearly, Daxo embodies this eloquence most clearly, but I also think it links to Cavix again. The writer Grant Morrison talks about the idea of fiction suits, the notion that some characters, and by extension their readers, choose to embody fictive identities. Again, this could be seen as duplicitous. Just look at how often the Jackal adopts other personas. However, 
I would argue that these identities are adopted to achieve certain goals. In the case of Cavex, his eccentricity arguably does him little favors. He rarely reveals his true intelligence, even to his own family, and he, uh, he's already known as a powerful force, both politically and personally. Based on this, why do it? He says that it's sometimes best for others to think you're a little mad, and I see the potential tactical advantages of this. However, these advantages would be immediately countermanded by his choices or actions, meaning that they would be of little benefit. Perhaps the answer is more whimsical. Mm. I love the sections in the book where he discusses the magic in his veins or in the miracles relating to jelly beans. Kavix clearly understands that this is nonsense, but isn't it wonderful to see a warrior with his heart still capable of wonder? For this, if nothing else, Kavix and the house that live by his standards are prime. Great call, Nick. Nick, the voice of Cassius Brindlow. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for writing in. That was Hope great. things in the UK are going well, because <laughs> they're not going as well here. <laughs> Can we move in with you? <laughs> no, we can't even travel there. <laughs> Damn it. Nick, take me in. Okay. Who's up next? I think we have a couple of Telemannus voicemails. Uh, yeah, now we'll go to the voicemails and... Cover your ears. Get ready. Telemannus! Telemannus! This is Claire from South Carolina. Uh, I love you guys so much. Uh, this is Claire out to the models. Out. Great job, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I appreciate that. I mean, I yell it like when I wake up, right when my alarm goes <laughs> off. I slam it and I scream Telemannus. This is a way to like start your day. Just get pumped. Yeah, that's a good idea. Get jacked for the day. I've been having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Maybe I need to start doing that. Just scream it and your body will be like, okay. My dog will be like, what <laughs> is going on? Your dog's going <laughs> to attack you. All right. It's time for the case for and the case against. Aaron, make the case for. Well, that's easy. Telemannus! <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the case. <laughs> and then he squeeze you to death. Who doesn't like to be hugged to death? <laughs> All right. I'll uh, make the case against. There is no case against. Okay, they're prime. They're prime. <laughs> that was a great debate. <laughs> the prosecution rests. That's it. Prime, prime, prime. We're both saying prime. I don't even want to argue it. I have nothing to argue. There's no reason. All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? I'll go first. So I already talked about it, but I'm into Save a Fox Rescue. You can find them on Instagram, which is where I found them. Just, you know, look at fun pictures of foxes. What's their handle? The handle is... Save a fox underscore rescue on Instagram. Um, it's a wildlife sanctuary, and uh, I bought a shirt from them. They have cute shirts. Great shirts. Um, and they're uh, based in Minnesota. The founder, Michaela Rains, um, she has been saving foxes for like the last 10 years. She saves them from fur farms. So fur oh, wow. farms still exist and they keep the foxes in these small, terrible cages and they breed them for their coats. So they have a lot of like genetic defects and stuff. So she posts about all that on her Instagram. Like one of them has like a gum disease. So she raises money to, so that he can get like a surgery that he needs once a year or something to like fix his gums. Um, Finnegan Fox is like the main guy. He's cute. But she posts these videos on Instagram, and, and you can hear, like I said, the foxes talking, and she, like, talks to them. She also has another page because she also rescues minks. Um, mm. And they're fucking crazy. They're so fast. Yeah. She'll, like, put them, like, in a room, and they just, like, zip around, and they crawl up her, and, and they'll, they'll, like, they're like otters. Like, they can, like, bite through your hand. They're crazy. Wow. Um, 
and she's all, you know, she rescues like blind dogs and stuff. She basically rescues everything. <laughs> I like it for the foxes mostly. Right. Um, but she's she used to be a vet tech and now she mostly just does the foxes. But she'll go speak at like colleges and inform people about like why fur farms are bad and don't buy real fur. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Fake fur is great and it's even softer sometimes. So save a fox rescue org or on Instagram, save a fox underscore rescue. Ben, what are you into this week? Okay, so uh, obviously we know it's it's spooky season out here. Spooky season. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> it's Halloween week. Well, it's October. Yeah. Is so it Halloween everywhere? I think so. I mean, it should be. Is that? I think it's an international thing. Is it Halloween in Canada? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I've never been in Canada in October. I've neither, but I'm pretty sure they do Halloween there. Okay. Yeah, so it's spooky season. And spooky. I, and I've been watching some spooky movies. And so what I like to do is just watch horror movies throughout October. I know a lot of people do this, but I always like to catch up on like movies I may have missed in the last few years or maybe didn't give a chance initially. And I found one of those movies the other night, and it turned out to be uh, really good. And it's on Netflix. It's called The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Is it spooky? It's spooky. Is it fucking scary? It's got a great mix of, like, psychological horror, jump scares, and gore. You know I love that. Um, It's good stuff. It's got a really small cast, but a really good cast. Um, so it's basically two corners, kind of in a spooky basement corners office, and a dead body gets brought in, and then a bunch of spooky shit starts happening. <laughs> and the word spooky <laughs> makes it sound <laughs> super lame. A <laughs> bunch of scary stuff starts happening. Okay. It turns out that this is like the body of a witch. And Perfect. so witchy stuff starts happening. Everyone loves a good witch. Right. And um, it stars Emil Hirsch. He is like in... Um, he's in Speed Racer, Into the Wild. He's in a lot of different movies. Alpha Dog. Um, you would recognize him if you saw him. And then it also stars Brian Cox, who's like the dad in Succession, Logan Ryan. Yes. And he's really good. They're both really, really great actors. Both that is a great cast. Like really good jump scares, but also like really good psychological horror where you're kind of freaked out about the situation and how much it's like messing with your mind. Um, so good stuff check it out on netflix it's like a really quick watch too so it's a good horror movie and you won't be able to sleep perfect <laughs> i would sleep just fine last night um that's the autopsy of jane doe on netflix and save a fox rescue all right what's coming up next week on howler pod sad boy sad boy let's hours start now let's get sad <laughs> <laughs> Ephraim, Ephraim is coming up t horn we need to Order some more Zolodone on the mm. dark the dark web, as the kids call it. Should we get like really strung out on Zolodone before the? Do you think if we ordered <laughs> something on the dark web <laughs> called Z, do you think there'd be something like? I wonder what that actually is. Let's try it. All right, so sad boy hours start now. Aaron and I are going to start doing Zolodone. We're going to be hooked by next week. Well, we got to get hooked and then we have to like get off of it so that we're sad about it. That's true. Uh, and I think Heather's going to join us for this one too. So we need to send her some Z. We'll get her some Z too. Actually, she's like, I feel bad about sending that to like a, a young, growing mind, you know? Her mind's grown well, <laughs> way more than mine. It's fine. <laughs> She'll be fine. All right. Start your sad boy hours. Listen to the sad boy music video. All around me are <laughs> a million. What were the lyrics we made up? Okay. Sad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to follow us, y'all. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, at HowlerPod. Check out the Etsy store. We posted some merch. We got a shit escalates hat. Oh, there's a new shirt up there, right? New, uh, the new logo shirt is up there. Yes. Wow. Um, wow. Ours is in the mail, Ben. <laughs> You're welcome. Email us at uh, howlerpod at gmail.com. Call us at 1-800-516-1540. 
Tell us about your withdrawal, sad boy hours. <laughs> Depressing emails only. We're this week. here. <laughs> we are here to help. We're like the Telemannis family for Ephraims. We're here to listen. This could be uh, like a call-in show for if you need to talk Late about night. some problems. We need call-in people <laughs> like after 4 a.m. The people that are still awake. <laughs> all right find links to all this at hollerpod.com tell a friend about the podcast spread the word about the books and about where to get help for your zolodone addiction <laughs> rate and review us five stars only if you don't give us five stars only we will hug you to death <laughs> and you'll die all right thank you too, heather our wise and wonderful researcher for all her hard work researching the characters and their historical connections. And thank you to Miles for the amazing Big Happy Family Brady Bunch <laughs> episode art this week. Sorry you had to draw so many people, Miles. And I'm not sorry. It looks great. It looks great. And when I look at it, I ye- have like yell, tell them honest. Well, you have to. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Hallers. Omnisphere lupus. Oh, oh. tell them